God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So let me ask you that question. What does God sound like? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially the Bible is a collection of God conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that dream or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, I just had some bad pizza? Jesus said we'd recognise his voice and follow him. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Godconversations.com Hi, and welcome to episode 24 of the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, speaker, and the founder of GodConversations.com. You may have heard it said, perhaps by those not in the know, that being a Christian is boring, that it's all about following rules and regulations, things that you're not allowed to do. Well, today's interview turns that thought on its head. You know, I've often said that when we follow the Spirit, we replace the good life with the God life, a life that's full of supernatural adventure. You end up doing things you'd never do, taking risks that you would never normally take. And that's why I think I'm so excited to have Pastor David McCracken on the show today. Let me introduce you to him. David is a well-known prophet in Australia and also overseas, and he heads up a wonderful team based in Melbourne called the David McCracken Ministries. He has an incredible reputation, both in this country and overseas, and in fact, he's a bit of a personal hero of mine. He began his ministry life as a pastor in Auckland, planning a church over there called Manukau New Life Centre, a great church. Actually, I visited there recently, and it's a great church still going strong. But he was a senior pastor there for around 15 years. And since then, he's travelled extensively through the nations, mentoring pastors and leaders and blessing the church with a prophetic ministry that's undergirded with real integrity and character. So it's an enormous privilege to have him on the show today. And I know you're going to learn a lot from his life and his testimony. But just before I chat to our guest on the podcast today, I did want to say a personal hello to you, our listeners. You may have noticed uh, we haven't released a new podcast for a while, and there's a good reason for that. It's been a very full-on year for myself and for God's conversations. Lots of travel, but the other thing is that I started a doctorate in ministry uh, with the goal to really study this area at a higher level and with the purpose of helping people even more to be able to hear God's voice. So it's very exciting. It's a three-year program. Uh, It's a great topic that I'm looking at, how we can be equipping people to hear God's voice. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that as time goes on, because I'm sure that you're going to see some things come out of the ministry along those lines. The other big thing I've been working on is my first full-length book, which I'm incredibly excited about. Uh, Surprise, surprise, the title of the book is God Conversations, but it's a book that's been on my heart for quite a long time, and I really believe it's going to help people. It's very different to some of the books that are already on the marketplace that are are wonderful. I've written about some of those on the blog already. So it's kind of a memoir style, but it has teaching principles. We look at some contemporary God conversations in line with some ancient God conversations, and we look at what we can learn about them, about how God speaks, and about the sorts of things that happen after he speaks. So I'll let you know about the release of that. We're still probably six months off, but it's just very exciting. And I know it's going to bless people. I know we're going to believe that God really uses it across the planet to help people listen to what God is saying to them. 
But right now it's time to get to our interview, our interview with David McCracken, episode 24, How to Do the God Life. Well, welcome, David. It's so great to have you on the God Conversations podcast today. For our listeners, uh, David McCracken is a very well-known and respected prophet in the Australian community, but also across the planet, although he is a Kiwi. Is that right, David? I was born in Northern Ireland. Yes. But I'm identified as a Kiwi because I spent most of my life living there. Okay, so Irish and Kiwi and a bit of Australian. And a lot of other stuff. Okay. You could just, just <laughs> a bit of a mongrel, really, but yeah. The question is, are you AFL or rugby? I'm about halfway. Halfway between. I'm politically You're being positioned. diplomatic. <laughs> well, it's so great to have you. We're recording this from David McCracken Ministries offices down here in Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, which you're based. You're also based at Planet Shakers Church as well out of Personally, Melbourne. Personally, that's our local church. This is our ministry centre, though. Yes. Mm. And um, we've... I want to talk to you today a little bit about your God conversation story, David, because you've been in ministry for a long, long time uh, as a pastor and now as an itinerant and with a, an amazing team based here in Melbourne. So wanted to talk with you particularly in regards to a recent book that you've, ri- you've written. Okay. And it's called... You Did What? Uh, <laughs> what was the inspiration for that? Well, it's all the kind of amazing, daring, audacious, crazy stories out of my life where God had to intervene or I'd have been down the gurgler. Yeah. And, and just the miracles of his intervention and his grace. Um, and it's not quite an autobiography because there's certain segments left out. But yeah. it's all the stories that actually empowered me in my life and all the stories that formed part of the current DNA of mm. our team and who we are as a ministry. And we had a team of experts sitting around the table one day all examining, what, what do we title this thing? Yeah. And they would come out with the most magnificent names. And Margaret just walked in and she says, oh, for goodness sakes, if you'd lived with it and read it, you'd know you could only call it one thing. You did what? <laughs> um, and is that because people actually said that to you all the time? Yeah, you did what? Yes, can't believe you did that. That's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. You crazy? And, 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 most, and most people that read the book say that several times during the book. Right, right. You, yeah, you, you yeah, did yeah. what? Yeah, I quite liked reading it. It was like, what crazy thing is he going to do next? This is right. awesome. Right. <laughs> actually, you know what, I first met you, one of the first times I met you, we were actually in the same church when I was um, in Melbourne many years ago, but one of the first times I, I interfaced with your ministry was when you visited my church at the time, Burwood Christian Life Centre, at a pivotal moment in my life. I just started... Okay this ministry training journey, and um, David prophesied over me. He won't remember that. But I think one of the things, a, a very pivotal point in my life that set me right on my journey to ministry, but one of the things I remember about that was I, I was in this crisis moment, really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you prophesied words over me, but the thing that really impacted me was that you had the heart of God in it. And it was almost like you were feeling the emotion of God at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I think hit me the most when you when you did that. And you have an amazing ministry now, years later, as a product of some of life's journeys, some of those stories that made you who you are along the way. I think the Lord made it very clear to me one day. He said, don't claim to represent my word. Mm. If you cannot represent my heart, yeah, right. 
you know. Uh, and I think that's become part of who we are as a ministry mm. team now is if people don't feel Father's heart, mm. they can misread his words. Mm. Mm. I think that's a, a big call, catch cry of your ministry that mm. certainly impacted me personally. Well, reading the book, oh. you did some you did some audacious faith moves. And I was thinking as I was reading it, I, I can think of some of them, let me think, um, when you started your office furnishing business way oh. back when in New Zealand, you did some crazy stuff, when you went out into the streets and persuaded four to five islanders to come to your church and then you started preaching them and then realised that they didn't speak English. Is That, that was a church planning. It wasn't man. 45. But four to five of four them. Four to five. Four to yes. five of them, yeah. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, you surrendered a paid job with a young family. Yeah. Yeah. God said to do it. <laughs> you took your family to the US for four months on a ministry trip yes. without enough money. Yes. <laughs> Could yes. go on. Yes. So my question to you, David, is do you have to be a risk taker to follow the Spirit's leading? Could- I, I think I think so, but it's the interpretation of that. I, I think Peter... That's a good example. You can't walk on water without getting out of the boat. Right. So if you're, if you're determined to hang on to the comfort zone, the security zone, where you can handle it all yourself, mm. though, mm. you'll probably never end up doing what Father ultimately has mm. for you to do. There has to be an element of, I think risk's one word, but trust I think is a greater mm. word. Uh, there has to be an absolute trust that Father loves you. Father is only ever motivated for your good. Yeah. He only He's not capable of abuse. He's not capable of, of doing something unjust or unkind. Or, and when you settle all those foundational convictions, then, then there comes this degree of trust mm. that if Father breathes into your heart and says, this is what I really want you to do, mm. you step out of the boat. Mm. You, you, I've learned not to try and make it reasonable, yep. not to make it more logical or acceptable or achievable. Every word that Father breathes into your heart is in itself creative. So he wouldn't tell me to do something if he hadn't have already created the resource yeah. in every area of life necessary to achieve it. And to some degree you'd learnt that trust, hadn't you? Mm. Starting when you were a young Christian as you grew. I think sometimes we hear those stories and they're, you know, along our faith journey, but perhaps you'd already learnt to step out back here in the smaller things. Or perhaps you you just went dived in. <laughs> well, there was a bit of both. Yeah. But I think that I think Father's got this strategy. It's incredibly effective. It's called no option. <laughs> Sometimes he puts you in a place where, yeah. like Moses, would he have ever stepped out and parted the Red Sea if it wasn't for thousands of chariots and Egyptians charged down? I doubt it. Yes. You see, sometimes the Lord puts you in a situation where the audacious step is the only step, really, and you've got to believe. Right. You, you, you've got to trust. And that's part of it. But the other part of it, I guess, too, is that he is a father. Yeah. And when he sees that your motivation is pure, 
He doesn't expect you to get it right all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you do is not as important as why you do it. If your motivation is pure, Father, I, I know. Look, I know that I've caused him some, some I, real I just wonder, David, if he's gone, look, Dave's got a good sense of humour. Let's see if he can handle this. Oh, he honestly. <laughs> just wonder sometimes where he's not watching your life and having a good oh, laugh. He, 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 if he didn't have a sense of humour, <laughs> I doubt that I'd still be in the ranks. Yeah. Um, uh, one person said at the pastor's conference somewhat, I think, humorously, but he said we all have a thing we want to see when we get to heaven. Yeah. And I want to see the angels' hospital. Because there's an entire ward that are only there keeping crackers alive. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I think a certain commitment, desire, passion to live on the edge has got to be there if we are going to fulfil the greater potential. Mm. Because you're partnering with a supernatural God. Absolutely. So you have to work in supernatural ways with him, don't you? You can't live life within the limitations Mm. of your own humanity. Mm. Mm. It's so limited. Mm. And a bit boring too, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> Your I life do, has never been boring, I think. But I do say that within the context <laughs> sure. of strong accountability. Mm. People mm. that are audacious but not accountable, mm. well, that can get scary. I've got very strong accountability groups around me that care enough to speak boldly into my life. And if I've got that, that allows me to be bold. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have these watchmen on the walls. Yeah, I think that's a very important point, isn't it? We it need is. to understand that. We sometimes can get ourselves into trouble. Safety and witnesses, I think, as well. Mm. Here we go. This is a quote from your book. Miracles are not the problem. Obedience is. Mm-hmm. What's the hardest thing that has God has ever asked you to do? Oh, wow. <laughs> the hardest. There's been a few. There's been an awful lot. Um, the hardest, I, I suppose the, the hardest would have been when we were pastoring in New Zealand mm-hmm. and uh, we'd just gone through a very devastational time of betrayal by one of my friends and split the church and we went through 14 months of devastation really and um, my senior associate at the time was very greatly loved by the people and so I, I basically gave him the church. And I was going to be released to be itinerant mm-hmm. where I felt best. When we went aside to pray and seek God and get actually get replenished, get restored, we'd been through a devastating time, the Lord very clearly said to me, you go back and you pick up that local church. I didn't tell you to give it over. Die to the prophetic mm-hmm. and take the church back. I think that's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Mm. I did not want to do that. I wrestled mm. with it for three days. Mm. And finally I said, okay, Lord, but we've both got a problem because I've already given it to Jim. Mm. And he's doing a great job. The people love him. Uh, but, you see, if you're not willing to die, you can't live. Mm. And when I rang him that day and I told him what the Lord said to me, he said the most amazing response. He said... I've never complicated our relationship. What God tells you to do, that's what I do with all my heart. Mm. And, for, and he, even though it had been prophesied over him, even though he knew his call, he laid down the local church, prepared wow. the way for me going back and said, I'll be your number two for the rest of your life. 
as far as he knew and as far as I knew, I'd died to the prophetic itinerant call. He had died to having his church and we figured that was it. Yeah. Nine months later, God reversed the whole thing through a series of brethren speaking with us and prayer and things of that nature. He ended up being the senior minister at local church and I ended up being the itinerant prophet. But the Lord showed me quite clearly that that was the pivot moment. Mm. If I hadn't have been willing to die to the dream, Mm. I wasn't qualified to live it. What would you say the relationship is between your willingness to follow God's voice when he calls you to do that and your ministry today? Oh, completely. That was that was the moment when the Father was seeing whether he could trust me with what mm. we're doing today. Mm. Because unless he can bring us to a place where not my will but yours be done, yeah. he can't really trust us with the greater potentials Mm. of the kingdom because Mm. too many lives depend upon it. One, he's got to know that we're listening. And two, he has to know that we will respond without understanding. Mm. We don't have to understand it. Mm. That's what faith is, isn't it? It is. Mm. It's trust. Mm. Uh, Obedience is from a place of unqualified surrender. Yeah. If he hasn't got us in that place, it's very limited to what he can trust us with. Yeah, wow. And I think as a strength of your ministry is that you've been, <laughs> I was going to say, you're going for so long now. What's how old? You, so, but no, you've got the... 423 yeah, years, yeah. You've got the, the maturity uh, and the longevity and that's why people trust you because your character and your integrity has been shown over the years. But you also have the gifting that goes with that and your mm. character has carried the gift in that way as well. It's awesome. Well, right, is, is character first, gift second? Yeah. I think yeah. that's what the Lord looks to. Yeah, we all want the miracles, don't we? We want mm. the shebang, but when God's calling us to sanctify our hearts, mm-hmm. that's what his aim is. So you say that you have a passion to dispute the prophetic. What do you mean by that? <laughs> oh, do I? Yes. <laughs> um, well, because I think that the, a lot, not all, of course, But a lot of the prophetic movement has misrepresented Father's intention for the prophetic gift and grace. Um, And a lot of church pastors, a lot of people kind of think of prophetic people as being, you know, kind of, you know, uh, and just a little way out there somewhere, you know. And so the, the Bible says the common people heard him gladly. Yeah. Talking about Jesus. Yeah. That's because he was normal. He was supernaturally God. But Mm. he was normal. Kids Mm. would bounce up on his knee. He was Mm. normal. Mm. Uh, And I I want to normalise the prophetic. Uh, I don't mean this unkindly, but spooky people really... They make me nervous. Yeah. Uh, and they make us feel like we can't be that, can we? We can't, well, yeah. I can't be that Because like Jesus that. wasn't spooky no, and he wasn't no. even religious. The prophetic is just father talking to somebody who maybe he hasn't got their full attention in some way or needs to and he'll use someone else to pass a message on. It's it's not. We've made a big deal of it. Mm, But it's really carrying Father's heart for people and being available to hear on their behalf and passing the mail on. It's, um, it, It should be a normal conversational communication from father to one of his sons and daughters. It's, yeah. it's not, yeah, it's not spooky. 
one last piece of advice, someone who is wanting to hear God's voice more clearly in their life, what would you say to them? Just one. I would say change your perception of God from being almighty God, which he most surely is, Mm -hmm. to being loving, affectionate Father. Mm -hmm. Uh, our, Our hearing of his voice is largely determined by how we approach him and how we approach him is determined by how we perceive him. Right. About 10 years ago, something like that, 10, 11 years ago, I went through probably the most fundamental change in my life and ministry since the time I got saved and filled the Spirit, which is nearly 50 years ago. And I, I would have to say that everything we're doing now would not be possible without that particular encounter. And that encounter was the day that something I've known for 50 years slipped from my head to my heart. Mm-hmm. And that is right. that he was actually my father not the father, not like a father. He, mm. he actually is my father. Mm. I got a revelation in that scripture. It says that Jesus was the firstborn of many. That's what he actually said. Uh, and secondly, that we're born of his incorruptible seed. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a son. He's actually my father. Right. You're yeah. actually his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the day that I began to relate to him as my dad, as my father, as a loving, affectionate, caring, unconditionally accepting father. Yeah. That changed everything. Yeah. Intimacy determines clarity of his voice. That makes sense. Just he like designed us. Mm. <laughs> he yeah. designed us in the first place to walk in a garden and talk to him as a father mm. so that he can chat with a son and a daughter walking around in the garden. Mm. Sin blew it all up. Yeah. Jesus actually came not just to get us into heaven. Jesus actually came to restore the intention of the father, which was for a family of sons and daughters who would relate to him as a father. Yeah. And out of that intimacy, stride out into the world to be the carriers of his word and his authority and his love and bring his kingdom influence. Mm. To bear in mankind. Yeah. But it all starts in the garden. It does. It's good. Intimacy. Well, intimacy, intimacy is the key to authority. It's yeah. Intimacy is the key to hearing his voice clearly. That's worth the takeaway, David. Thank you. If you would like to know more about David's ministry, what's the place that we go to? What's the website, David, your team as well? Um, yeah, the, go to the website, um, www.davidmacracken.com. Dot, dot .org. Dot .org, wonderful. And your book's available there too. You yes, did what? everything. And there's a lot of free resources available on the website. Great. Also our whole team and what they do and how they're available to help, all of that's on the website. Awesome. Um, and uh, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of good stuff to help and encourage people there. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, thank you again for your time today. It's been great fun talking. And um, we pray also that you'll be able to listen to this and be inspired to develop intimacy with God, with the Father as well. Thanks for sharing, David. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast by Tanya Harris. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. So post your comments on the blog page of godconversations.com or at facebook.com forward slash Tanya M. Harris. 
Help us to equip others to recognize God's voice by rating the series on iTunes. Remember, Jesus said we would know his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.